Hello and welcome to the Dispatched Podcast Week in Review. I am Paul Cross and I'm joined by Carol. Hi, Paul. We've just been having a conversation about our emotions in March. <laughs> yes, so it's March already and our mood, our mood about the fact that it's March. It feels like December it and it feels like it's been a hard slog it and it's only March. And it's only March, so... Let's be positive. Let's be positive. Uh, so, yeah, Carol. Paul, okay. Should we start with the release of the probity plan for the Health Technology Assessment Review Reference Committee? Well, that is a mouthful. That it is, isn't it? <laughs> I think we should start by declaring this podcast as confidential because <laughs> according to that probity plan, anything that has the word confidential written on it is considered confidential for the purposes of the review, which is not unexpected, but it does make for very amusing reading. <laughs> it's just it goes to the whole sickness around uh, confidentiality for a process that involves a review of policy and technical inputs to a public health program. <laughs> it's just nothing, nothing in this other than commercial information provided to this committee can be considered confidential. So what they're doing is they're ring-fencing this committee through the probity advisor by imposing confidentiality on everything they do. The default position is that everything is confidential and then they have to pick things. They identify things that will then be released. It's just completely the wrong way around. Everything other than commercial information should be uh, in the public domain because it's a public health review in effect. Now, if we do want to talk about confidentiality, and we've written this this morning, that, well, Section 135A of the National Health Act applies, which means all the information that I submit as a company can be considered commercial in confidence. So I would like to know how the people on that committee are going to manage that information because it cannot be used for any other purpose. So in the health department official or the PBAC chair who are on that committee, they have to effectively in law unlearn that information because it can't be used for another process. And I think I think the industry, patients, all stakeholders should 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 seek an understanding of how, how that is going to be managed. And that's before you get to the other profound conflict, which is silent. The probity plan is silent on this conflict, which is the fact that the probity advisor and the review secretary report to the government's member of the committee on a day-to-day basis. And there's nothing in there about how that is going to be managed. And that is an obvious <laughs> an obvious conflict. And it's and it's and it's well, you know, it's part of the way that government manipulates these processes, and for the purpose of getting the outcome that 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 they want. Now, all of these things are entirely predictable mm. and can be managed. But people who've got an interest in this review need to have an honest conversation, an informed conversation about where this is going to go, going to go now. What are the things? that will be done now to manipulate the process and the outcome and how can they manage that. And if you do that and you approach it with the right mindset, you can. But I do think if I was a company, every communication I provide to this review and to the Department of Health and to government on any matter, just stick confidential on it. If you're worried about it being in the public domain, just stick confidential on it because according to this probity plan, the word confidential makes a document. If they say it, it is confidential, so. if they if they say it is so, right? Okay. <laughs> uh, 
Um, we've also published a story about the release of the government's policy and spending rules ahead of its budget last October. What does it tell us about the process and what we might expect in this year's budget? I was fascinated by the release of this. Mm. And it's a very it's a very inside the beltway <laughs> document that generally never been released. It's un- it's unprecedented effectively. Uh, these documents are generally subject to the 20-year rule. So this one would normally have been released in 2042, by which time, who cares? But it was released immediately after the budget. So it gives a fantastic insight. And I do think everyone should should read it. Uh, they should take the opportunity to have a look at it and acquaint themselves with what ministers need to go through in order to get spending proposals up. Obviously, they've got to offset all of that spending for last year's budget. They're not releasing uh, the the rules. It's called the budget um, process operational rules. They're not they're not releasing the ones for the upcoming budget. They said they're going to contemplate doing that after the budget. But it is fantastic reading and something that everyone with an interest in government decision making or spending, and everyone in health has an interest in government decision making and spending. They're worth reading just to acquaint themselves with what someone like Health Minister Mark Butler has to go through in order to get things, medicines on the PBS or other technologies funded. It's it's well worth reading and provides fantastic insight. Okay, questions from you guys. There is a lot of speculation about the focus on savings in this year's budget. Do you think the PBS could be targeted again? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I short answer yes. Yeah, so last year's budget, ministers were required to offset all new spending proposals. That's not an unusual thing. Where it generally goes in fiscal challenging fiscal circumstances is ministers are set savings targets, so they're told not only do you have to offset all new spending proposals, but you've got to deliver a net save to the budget of one, two, three, four billion. So that's that's a goal that ministers are generally told as they go into the process. Now, what does that mean for health? Well, there aren't many – there's not many places you can go in health. Medicare is very hard politically. Uh, forget about hospitals because that's an agreement. That's done. Pharmacy is very hard. The PBS is a, is a target generally because politically you can do it, you can get away with it. The industry, for all its flaws, is generally a very good partner on these things. It has a history most of the time of being able to deliver for government. And government has got quite uh, addicted to savings coming out of a program like the PBS. Ironically, the tough challenge that companies and even the government has has had over the past 12 months with these catch-up statutory price reductions. Now, Now, you might think, intuitively that, well, that's going to put the government off. Conversely, it probably shows that the industry has an incredibly high pain threshold and can take a lot. And so it, it might it might make them a tar- it might make them a target. The agreements the industry has, the Medicines Australia and the GBMA agreement, give them a right to consult, to be consulted, but it doesn't prevent the government from doing anything. So how does it happen? Well, it can happen a couple of ways. You know, the minister might ask for a meeting <laughs> ahead of the budget. Senior officials might ask to meet you. They'll be very complimentary. They'll be very nice. They'll give you the impression that they're going to give something to you when in actual fact 
they they want something back. Alternatively, it could just be hidden in the budget and then release re- revealed at a at a later date. That is a that is a fairly standard approach. Is ministers are set savings targets. They put things in the budget as a decision taken, but not yet announced. Its budget impact is in there, but it's not revealed. This is a very common practice for PBS. It happened in 2022. It happened in 2017. Uh, I think it may have happened before 2015. It's happened a lot over the years that governments make decisions. They're effectively set targets. Uh, Ministers are set targets in a budget. They promise to deliver it. And then the industry is dragged in at some point in time. So, yes, I think it's a distinct possibility. I don't think it's great for the program if it does happen because it's obviously very unstable at the moment mm. and uh, patients are suffering the consequences of that and you would hope that that would be the prevailing view but there's there's certainly no guarantees. And if I was in an industry association or in individual companies, I would certainly be preparing for that phone call because even if it doesn't happen, it doesn't hurt to be prepared. Okay. And what is the status of the government's plan for to tender for diabetes products supplied through the NDSS, including continuous glucose monitoring monitoring devices? <laughs> That's, I, I hope everyone is watching this. It is a very troubling development. If uh, this progresses to a price-focused tender for CGM devices, nobody should think it will just stay in this one area. If they can get away with it here in what are very complex technological devices that are very they're very good for patients that have only been funded for eight months, if they can do it here, they will do it elsewhere. I, I believe that the relevant companies are still struggling to find out more information about exactly what the government has planned. And that's a, that's a worry in effect. So they don't know whether it's a kite-flying exercise to see what they can get away with or it's going to be a more structured process now because traditionally what a government would do in this situation if they if they believe the program is a bit too expensive, they would get the relevant companies in the room and they would say, this is what we're spending and we need to cut it to this. Yeah. So what can you do for us? And then they go away and consult and deal with the companies individually and historically that's been a highly effective way of doing things. But they're trying to tender and I'm a great believer that everything happens for a reason. What's the reason here? Well, maybe this is a test of whether tenders work going forward and they can operate in lots of different ways across healthcare. But I would plead with everyone, whether it's the pharmaceutical, the wider medical device sector, diagnostics, to be watching this one really, really closely because if they, they, they get away with it here and they progress it in the way it's been contemplated, then obviously they're going to do it in other areas. Mm. A, a tender means that, that Australians are likely to get lesser quality products because they're going to be cheaper. Is that what we want? No. Is that, and so what's the principle here? What are we trying to do? What's our goal here? Do we just want to get the cheapest product we can possibly get or do we want to get the best product for patients? I think that's the discussion that's got to be had because a tender, which can work and admittedly can work in lots of different ways, certainly sends a signal that, well, are we going to go down the New Zealand route? Okay, Carol, well, another week. Another week. Another week. Uh, I think we might – we were discussing a slightly different format next week, so we'll keep everyone on tender hooks about that. (laughs) (laughs) But but, uh, I hope everyone has a great uh, great weekend and you too, Carol. You too, Paul. 